Hi, this is Life Coach David. I'm a certified and very experienced Law of Attraction Life Coach. And I just want to thank everyone who's listening because I can tell that a lot of people are listening. And I really appreciate that. I know there's probably other Law of Attraction podcasts, but I really try hard to make mine informative and interesting and fun. So who's ever listening will enjoy it. And we are going to continue today reading from Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting. And we're going to continue finding out about relationships and the law of attraction, which is very interesting. But first, I want to share a really fun win that I had in the past few days. So sometimes I like to go and buy scratch-offs, you know, the little lottery tickets where you scratch off the numbers and if you get a, a matching number or a certain symbol, then you win. And I have a high rate of winning because I'm always doing my best to keep myself in a high vibration about money. And yesterday I purchased a scratch off and I won $500. And I was so excited about it. But the interesting thing is the day before that, I won another $500. So law of attraction, when you know how to work with it, so to speak, it really does work. And this that's just a few examples I have. And it's funny, when I go to the place where I buy my scratch-offs, whenever I walk in, the guys who work there, they always say, oh, here comes the lucky guy. He's so lucky. And to myself, I'm thinking, yes, I am the lucky guy because I want to keep myself in that lucky vibration. And that's why I keep winning. So take note of that because you could be a winner too in all areas of life. And I think I forgot to say in the beginning, if you're interested in Law of Attraction coaching or finding out more about me, you can just go to lifecoachdavid.com and you can contact me through there. And I always offer a free first mini phone coaching session to someone who's seriously considering coaching. And of course, during that session, you can ask me any questions you might have. So now I'm going to continue reading from Excuse Me, Your Life is Waiting by Lynn Grabhorn. And hopefully you've been listening to past episodes. And sometimes her writing is a little funny. Sometimes her wording is a little dated. And her stories are. But the information is still very good and very helpful. So this chapter is called, How Can I Help? And it starts out with these quotes. I have a mate who is disabled. How can I help him? I have a mate out of work. What can I do to help? I have a brother who is angry at the world. Is there anything I can do? We all want to help. We want to give or do or say something that will make it better for someone. But take care. A helping hand is not always what it appears to be. If you'll think about those questions for a minute, you'll see the focus is squarely on the other guy. And when it's on the other guy's pain, you're joining with that vibration, merging it with your own until your valve becomes as closed as theirs. Your focus is on the negative condition, which is giving you more negative feelings than you had to begin with. And even worse, you're helping your friend to more negativity than they had before you joined up with them vibrationally. So how do you help? The first thing to do 
is get into a good feeling place and get your own valve open before you do anything about the person. Then from that place, you could inspire, not ensure, just inspire that same valve openness in the person you're thinking about. You're no longer attempting to paint on their canvas, but you're genuinely offering them paints and brushes. On the other hand, if you keep thinking about how awful it is that your someone has cancer or is out of a job or just had their house burned down, that lackful vibration stands to reinforce the lackful vibration they're already in. Instead, as you think about them, see them the way you want them to be. If there's anything within them wanting to move forward, your bursts of positive, loving energy will have a strong influence on their thinking, feeling, and being. That's why prayers for the sick so rarely work. When we see the one for whom the prayer is being offered as being deficient in some way, we're coming from a place of lack. We are viewing that person as deficient in some way when in fact they are every bit as adequate as any power in the universe. They've just forgotten. And for a time, so did those of us who were doing the praying. I have a friend whose father was dying of an empty life 3,000 miles away on the opposite coast. Every night as she went to sleep, she would send her father healing thoughts, hoping to help him come around. But in her own saddened state, she was seeing him in the lack, alone and melancholy, a pathetic picture of a man without friends, without incentive, without the will to live. He kept getting worse. Then she got wind of the law of attraction and realized she had been doing exactly the opposite of what had been her intent. After that, as she lay in bed each night, she would see her dad as he used to be, vital, filled with fun, spirited, gregarious. She refelt the wonderful times they had playing tennis together and the merriment of the family ice skating on the local pond. She could feel herself just melt into the joy of those feelings and times. Within three days, three days, her dad called saying he had felt better than he had felt in years and would it be okay if he came out to visit. Was she responsible for this change? Only in providing her dad with an opportunity to pick up these new paints and brushes, so to speak. She had given him a vibrational leg up, much like we might toss a life jacket to someone. They can grab it or not, but the choice is theirs and theirs alone. And that's the end of that section. And that's a great reminder that sometimes we might think we're helping someone by feeling sorry for them and praying for them in a certain way, when in reality we're just sending them more lackful, low vibrations. But when we can see them how we want them to be and how we know they were when they were healthy and happy and feeling good, that's actually helping them more. And the next section is called Breaking Up. Should I or shouldn't I? We've all gone through it, that disturbing period when we know it's time to do something, but the answers just don't seem to come 
or we don't want to get them. If you've been exploring the ins and outs of deliberate creating with the law of attraction and your mate hasn't, you may be in for a little pulling apart unless good old mate decides to come along. If you've offered paints and brushes till you're purple with no response, then you might be in for some pulling apart. Or maybe you're ready to pull apart anyway. Either way, let's take a look at some new ways to consider this breaking up scene. First off, we've got another one of those emotionally charged words to deal with. This time, it's relationship. Not real high on most people's feel-good lists, that's for sure. Just thinking of that word, just thinking of that word, packs almost as much negative wallop as money does. Maybe it started with our own family, or maybe just with our own troublesome partners, or both, it doesn't matter. The very word relationship can evoke a mixed bag of longings and shivers in the same breath. So it stands to reason, pre-becoming a deliberate creator, that when we break up or are faced with that possibility, or even if we've already done it, the thought of getting into a new tangled web is not always enticing. And yet, that's what we do. We get right back into another twosome with the same script or worse. Only the players have changed. We gotta change the script. If we want it different, either now or with the next relationship, we gotta see it and feel it to be different. If you want it different, we gotta change the script. Let's say you're out of it now, living by yourself. You're enjoying this deliberate creating routine, and so you decide you're ready for a venture with a new partner. But what's the first thing you think about? The old one. And nine times out of ten, that thinking comes packed with some heavy negative vibrations. Just like the attractive model who couldn't get the kind of guy she wanted, you become locked right back into attracting a clone of the last one or even worse. You have to change the script and get those vibrations you're holding onto out. You have to manufacture somehow a revised feeling about your ex. If you don't, if you keep holding on for dear life to the resentments, angers, and pet peeves, your next go-around can't help but be the same sort of thing or worse, because that's the vibration you're putting out. Resentment, anger, and pet peeves. What you vibrate is what you get. You can't vibrate with thoughts of back there and expect to get something totally different up here. This might not be thrilling news to you, but relationships never die. They never cease. Just by virtue of the two of you, or three of you, or twenty of you, having been together in a house, or an office, or a club, you have a vibrational tie that never, never stops. So if you let any one of those ties remain negative, well, you know the rest, that vibration will be forever radiating out from you, looking for its match. Maybe you lived with a physical abuser, or maybe just a jerk. If you don't want more of the same, you have to find something to love about that blockhead, something you can appreciate to let you break the negative vibrational ties. Otherwise, no matter how long you wait between partners, and no matter how much so-called healing you think you've done, you'll be pulling in the same junky things you didn't like about your ex, 
because you're still focused on them, grumbling over them, telling friends how glad you are to be rid of them, not to mention being mad at yourself for putting up with them for so long. If you're thinking about it and feeling it, you're still vibrating it, so you will attract it. Same thing with blameful focus on our parents. We get what we focus on, pure and simple. So it's an odds-on bet that if you had ugly stuff in your childhood that you're still hanging on to, you're a shoo-in to attract it in some kind of relationship, whether in marriage, with neighbors, or even at work. But back to your current situation, let's say you're still involved with the relationship, still living or working together, with a question as to whether you should or shouldn't remain. Now is the time to take your focus off the conditions, ask yourself what's been bothering you, and start getting those negative vibrations reversed. That may or may not make a difference in your present relationship, but it will definitely take your focus off the problem so you can get some answers. For you can only get answers, inspiration, or ideas when you unhook your focus from the problem and move to a higher frequency. So love them, whether or not they were or are lovable. Appreciate them, no matter how justified you may be in sticking pins in their voodoo doll. Break the chain of negative attraction, then you can find your answers as to leaving or staying. And if you do leave, you won't be attracting the clone on the same old negative wavelength. And that's the end of that section, and that's for sure. I mean, I know even in my coaching practice, because I coach a lot of people on relationships, sometimes people do attract the same kind of person, and they don't understand why, and they have a similar experience. And once I explore their thoughts with them, then they can see how they really were focusing more on the negative parts about the last relationship which is why they attracted it again in a new relationship. And then once I work with them and get them to focus more on what they want in someone, then things start to shift. And the next section is called Chain of Pain. I had a longtime friend who would call every other month or so from several states away and dump all of her rather robust problems on me. Most of this was before I knew about getting sucked into and pulled down with someone else's negative vibrations. This routine went on for years, an unending diatribe of the same old problems growing bigger and bigger as time went on. At each phone call, I'd jump right in to join her in her negative feelings, thinking I was being so helpful. I'd empathize, commiserate, sympathize, until I'd feel so bad, I'd have to go outside for a walkabout in nature to get my balance back after hanging up. Without knowing it, not only was I fanning her negativity, but I was wrapping it tightly around me. It was awful, and I didn't know how to stop it short of telling her not to call me anymore, which I didn't have the heart to do. To make matters worse, even when I wasn't talking to her on the phone, I'd be envisioning her in her messes, surrounded by lack, a walking time bomb waiting to explode into another tangled predicament. When I finally got the picture of what I was doing vibrationally to both of us, 
I started sending different kinds of thoughts to her, seeing her in abundance, happiness, gaiety, etc., though frankly it wasn't easy. But she didn't want out of her misery, and she surely didn't want anything to do with my paint and brushes. Finally, one day she called and read me the riot act for not going along with her thinking, calling me callous, heartless, self-centered, and a few more colorful jewels I won't bother to repeat. In a manner of speaking, she was probably right, since I was no longer willing to join in her chain of pain. I had to let her sink, or I go down with her again, something I was no longer willing to do. I've never heard from her since, but continue to see her in the best script I can muster. Perhaps one day I will. Try as we will, fix-it kits don't work. When we decide someone needs fixing, as I was doing with my friend, all we're doing is viewing them as wrong, flooding them with negative energy. Instead, if we can find something, anything, to appreciate about them and plant the seeds of potential new growth about them with our positive vibrations, we open up a chance for change. If you want to help someone out of their immediate suffering, sending a simple, it's going to be all right, will usually quiet them down and give them an opportunity for a moment of feel-good. As Pollyanna-ish as that might sound, it's a soother for them and a respite for you. Now they're in a place to accept your paint and brushes or not. If they choose not, so be it. But joining them, even in heartfelt compassion, will only compound the misery by magnifying the negative vibrations, theirs and yours. Every person on this planet has the guidance within them to find their own way, if they so choose. But sometimes we have to let them sink if that's their choice, or will go down too, connected vibrationally in the chain of pain. And that's the end of that section. And how true is that? I think we've all had friends or family or someone we know that just constantly complains and tells you all about their problems and woes. And obviously, that's not good. And as much as we want to help them, it really is better to not join in with that low vibration thinking. So it's something to think about in your own life. You know, who are you talking with now? that may be doing that to you, and you got to try to think of a better way to communicate with them. You know, maybe change the subject to something more positive. You know, do your best, and then in time, if nothing changes, you may have to talk to them less or come up with another plan that's going to help you stay at a better vibration and not be dragged down by them. I hope you liked today's podcast, and I would listen to it again because there was some great information in there on how to have better relationships. So thanks again for listening. And if you want more information about me or wonderful life-changing law of attraction coaching, and I'm not just saying that, it really is life-changing, you can contact me at lifecoachdavid.com and there's a contact form there. Thanks again for listening and have a high vibration day.